all you amazing Irish global people and beyond. Uh, so great to be with you again. I hope you're enjoying these. I know we're getting out as many as we can, uh, but what a great time to dig deep while, while leaders are sitting in their homes, ask some questions, get to know people. Uh, and today on this episode of the Irish Global Green Room Quarantine Edition, I have really a, a new friend, uh, but someone who we've grown a relationship over the past year and uh, somebody that I've personally brought in to our office to minister uh, and and now into my own life uh, to minister and share and and not only not only Julian who's here uh, in the other window either this side or this side I don't know which one it is as you're watching this uh, your left <laughs> but his amazing wife as well uh, these guys have just been great to get to know so Julian uh, I I'm gonna let you share a little bit about your journey. Um, but the dynamic is, you, you know, South African married, uh, a, a, a girl from the UK and you've traveled the world, you've, you've taught, you've preached, you, you, you move in the prophetic really beautifully and you yourself are getting ready to, to make another big transition. Um, but everybody, uh, I want you to, uh, meet Julian Adams over here. So, yeah, thanks. Uh, just to get things going, Julian, uh, give, give people, cause I had, I, I'd never heard of you. And, and I love that because when I did start hearing about you and did ask around, everybody just spoke the world of you guys. And I know a lot of prophets that have been kind of maybe in the background moving They're they're, they're moving their, their voices coming louder and louder. And I, and when I asked a good friend of ours, who's the strongest prophetic voice up and coming, uh, your name was the response. Uh, and so just to, just to see this and, and to meet you, where did you come from? What was your history? Where, like, give us a little bit of your story. So, yeah, I, um, I grew up in South Africa, mm -hmm. Cape Town, most beautiful city in the world. And, uh, yeah, I grew up in a great family home. My parents are amazing church planters, pioneers. Yeah, I got filled with the spirit at a very young age, kind of the end of my third, beginning of my fourth year as a kid. Um, just became aware of the prophetic from yeah, young age. Just beautiful story of God really sovereignly breaking into my life. I, I didn't quite have many choices to make because it just was so irresistible in it. Um, and I was part of a church planting movement in South Africa, then moved to the UK where I got to meet my wife, uh, who is ethnically Armenian, but born in Iran. Um, and they are just an amazing, their family heritage is amazing in terms of helping start the modern day church in Iran and the revival that's effectively birthed out of her grandfather's home, really. Um, and so our world collided and it's the best collision that's ever happened. Um, and we've got a ministry called Frequency, uh, which travels the world really working with local churches as well as doing conferencing and uh, speaking into different uh, creative political spheres around the prophetic and the kingdom worldview. Um, and God has just as of this last uh, few months relocated us to America. We're at the moment um, on the West Coast in Reading, but within the next few, uh, within the next week, I think, we moved to Boston, to the East Coast, where we're going to be planting a church called The Table Boston. Um, and we really feel like God's called us to plant a healthy model of 
highly intellectually satisfying church, but fully Holy Spirit and crazy um, in the presence and power of God. We think that they should work together. Um, and we're trusting to really shape mind molders in that context. Um, and so we're moving to the city of Boston uh, in what looks like the worst time for planning church, but we kind of figure that God's got us and it's going to be good. Well, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of a – we've got two kids, two mm-hmm. beautiful kids. This is the most important part of the story. Um, they are gorgeous. Ezekiel is four and Evangeline is three. Um, and uh, they keep us busy. We do family ministry together. Um, and we try to make it as much fun as possible. Come on. Well, listen, uh, number one, you, I don't hear too many people that are called to Boston. I hear a lot of people that are called out of Boston. I know this one because I am a New Englander, Massachusetts boy. Uh, yeah, about 45 minutes north of Boston. Grew up in an island called Gloucester up there. Number one, it's a hard place to plant. And I, and, and I say that in the kind of the more stereotypical response, right? Like, but I know yeah. that when God's on something that he's going to move. And I know that usually when people say it's a hard place, uh, they've just kind of given up, right? So I, I, I love hearing that vision and that zeal for Boston. It is a, a crazy cultural hub in America. And like you said, a lot of leaders uh, in of the world come out of Boston. But I'm excited to hear that, man. I When I was there, there wasn't too many churches around that moved in the Spirit. In fact, I'd have to, I'd have to drive 45 minutes or so to get to a a quality spirit-filled church. Yeah. So to hear that, man, just brings so much joy. It, listen, if you love Massachusetts, uh, we're we're family I- immediately. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, and then the second thing is, man, I which I want to talk to you about really quick is I have n- never seen a lot of success with with the office of a prophet, which you definitely walk in, and the pastoral coming together. Talk, talk to me about that because I, uh, yeah, that's. Yeah, that's a that's a challenge, man. I've so seen. I do not. Yeah, I, I think for me, um, I I passed it. Yes, um, in terms of an associate pastor, my secondary motivation is pastoral, because um, I figure you're probably not that great a property if you don't know how to love people well. Yeah. And honestly. I, I probably break a few of the stereotypes. Like I'm not an introvert. I'm not a um, lost in wonder, mystical kind of prophet. Although I do have many mystical experiences, I love people. I'm an extrovert. I get energy out of being around people. Um, so some of the kind of normal stereotypes that I've been told around right. the prophetic, I just don't do. Um, plus, both Katya, my wife, and I, we both church planted before, and we planted in in the UK. My wife planted in London. I planted in Manchester. Um, if you can plant a church in the UK, I think you can plant a church pretty much anywhere in terms of a post-Christian, atheistic-leaning society. And we saw God add and grow that. Um, Katia is probably, well, Katia is definitely going to be the team lead. So that will free me up to still have the sense of exploring and traveling and doing what I need to do with my gift to make that work outside of just the local. Um, but we we kind of feel like we fit so well together. It's quite unique. Um, and partly because I genuinely want to see destiny come out of people, not just in the prophetic moment, but in the long haul of connecting with people. And I, I was saying to some friends last night, the thing we miss around discipleship is Jesus just had a lot of time between villages hanging out with his disciples. <laughs> yeah. 
when nothing was happening, there were no miracles happening. It was a long two or three days walk of getting to places. And I think for me, that dynamic of doing life with people, which is why we call it at the table. We're like, mm. let's get food. Let's just have a good community time and see the kingdom come out of that space. Um, is big for me. Um, and, and I pray that it will be a model again of actually the pastoral and the prophetic coming together because we need each other so I love it. so desperately. So, so, yeah. so good. One of my one of my good friends, uh, Bob Hazlett, uh, who's also moves yeah. good amazingly in the prophetic. He was he started as a pastor, and and yeah. and then the pastoral rose up inside of him. And I love watching him move because he can go into a church and he can meet people in such a different way where he takes on the role of, uh, he under, he takes on the heart of a pastor but also isn't scared of going deep in the prophetic but yet you know you know as well as 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 I do that the prophetic can be one of the most beautifully disruptive gifts that enters a church so see those things go hand in hand and then I have another great friend Larry Randolph who for me um, I've had very close relationship with him over the years. He's just recently entered back into the pastorate uh, in Tennessee wow. and uh, loves it. My last conversation with him, he, he just loves it. And I, I, I love seeing that that gift that was always thought of as like the harsh, come in, correct, leave, you know, drop a bomb, leave, go there, drop a bomb. Like to see that, that, that beautiful hearing the voice of the Lord and watching it get, past, get pastored out in people's lives. I think it's great. So I'm pulling for you, man. I'm so excited, especially, be fun. especially that you're in new England, man. So, Hey, I got a, yeah. I got a question or two, and then I want to hear uh, some, a couple of your insights. Um, I've been asking, okay, so we're in this COVID season, right? Um, we're, we are, yeah, it's, it's affecting the entire globe, right? Financially, uh, spiritually, um, all of all of these things. It's it, this is one of the largest global shifts we've we've ever seen. A lot of the times, uh, I see our, the amazing prophetic voices rise up, and I'm not thinking of any one in particular. I'm going to go full gauntlet, you know, in our Pentecostal charismatic, you know, anyone that goes there are prophets moving today. We 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 get the full gauntlet of words, whether it's from like, hey, who's going to be elected um, to. Uh, this is a, you know a financial season for our region, but but globally, worldwide, this this is hit, and this is my opinion. And I know uh, my my prayer is that I can just have an open conversation, let you guys come on in. I, I don't have all the facts, so I just want to I just want to put that. Up. But as I as I've been processing internally and with some of my friends, I I've been asking the question, Julian, if, if this was such a big shift, such a major. Um, moment for the entire planet, uh, I, I didn't really hear a clear word coming out of the prophetic voices that, that brought a warning. And I'm actually okay with that. There are times that the Lord just doesn't say stuff, and, 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 I, and I get that. But I want to ask you that, uh, question one. And then question two, the afterwards, I've watched the, the prophetic um, take every single stance under the sun, like, this is the most amazing thing that's ever going to happen, this is the judgment of the Lord, to like, you know, hey, we need to go after salvations right now, or hey, the Lord is saying um, that this will shift, you know, into a new world order, or whatever it is, like, and, 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 and the response of the prophetic I, has been just across the, the board. So I, I was hoping you can give me a little bit of your insight uh, on those two things. Cool, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, firstly, let me caveat this whole conversation by saying <laughs> I had no cooking clue that this was going to happen. <laughs> I didn't have a hint from Jesus. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a heavenly visitation. And I've said this a number of times publicly. I just did not see this coming yeah. at all in any shape or form. And like you, I'm okay with that. I think yeah. there are seasons that God allows that. I think that in moments like these, what I've learned is that retrospective prophetic insight often helps you toward the future. And so when I began to look at some of the words I brought in different contexts over the last year, um, like a number of churches, in fact, just in February, I was at a church and I was saying to them, I see the Lord saying there's an urgency for you to go online. You need to get ready to be online right now. Get online, get online. And um, when I look at, at some of words like that or that there's going to be a massive economic meltdown, which going to move some of the power players on the earth. And I begin to look back at some of the words that God's speaking. They help me go, okay, God actually has been hinting some things. And that's a biblical thing. That's how we recognize Jesus. We look retrospectively at the prophetic words that are in Scripture, and they provide the platform about who Jesus is and what he's about to do in the earth. And so for me, I think that's the number one dynamic that, has helped steady me. Mm -hmm. I think secondly, you know, I think it's Walter Brueggemann who in his book, Prophetic Imagination, talks about being counterculture, that the prophetic is meant to be counterculture. And right now, what is counterculture is compassion and hope. Mm. Um, most of us are building, most people in the world are now going, everything's shutting down. It's me, myself, my family. That's what I'm going to look after. That's what I'm going to do. Um, and so to be compassionate in a moment like this, to bring hope in a moment like this, is completely countercultural. Mm. And I think that that's the role of the prophetic in this context. And to bring a pastoral presence that helps people process the season of pain. Um, mm. And I find particularly in the prophetic movement, this is just my opinion, we move quickly to prophetic fulfillment and we miss the process of dealing with the things that we need to deal with. Because actually in the pain, God's a... God's realigning and allowing some things to be formed in us. And so I, I've probably taken a different um, expression around prophetic utterance and prophetic stuff that I've seen online, um, neither the conspiracy theory or the we're getting to the victory uh, thing has done it for me in terms of how I understand the prophetic. Um, and so for me, I'm like, I want to be a pastoral presence right now. I want to be a prophetic voice of hope and compassion. Having said that, um, some of the words I brought, particularly in England, I was there in November about God bringing a, an awakening quickly uh, to the nation of England and a few other aspects that I, I spoke into that are applying to today. Right. You're just reading in a recent newspaper article that, you know, um, more than a quarter of the nation has jumped online to go to church in England, it's never been heard of before. And the biggest group of that is 18 to 35-year-olds yeah. who are coming and becoming awakened. Um, I've got friends, because you know I lived in England for a while, who their online alphas are, are busting at the scene. Alphas and evangelistic course. They're, they're seeing God do something. There's an awakening yeah. happening. And, and the beauty of particularly England, it's post-Christian. And so the answers are genuine. They, yeah. they, they don't have a reference for Jesus anymore. So suddenly all the stuff's happening. I'm, I'm, and I feel like, you know, even, even here in the U.S., hearing stories of God doing something and awakening 
um, people. And I, I feel like one of the things I'm convinced of is in this season we need to invest into the promise. And so I'm thinking of someone like Jeremiah who prophesies all this doom and gloom that's coming. And then he's in prison and he starts to buy a field because he knows there's an expectation of breakthrough coming. He, he starts to make plans for the future because he knows God has promised good. And I feel like we've got a more secure hope than Jeremiah ever did in that God hasn't changed the plan around extending his kingdom on the earth. Yeah. And so we need to be thinking what's it look like for us not God is breaking nationalism. He's breaking our trusting economics. He's breaking social economic um, places and orders. I, I was checking to a friend in Orange County. He's got, at his church, he's got people driving up in Mercedes Benz and the best cars waiting for a food parcel. This thing has leveled the playing field and we have an opportunity in this season to invest into being the voice of redemption. Um, and so my prayer is rather than all that crazy conspiracy, new world order, all of that stuff, even if they happen, God hasn't changed his mind about redeeming everything. So let's be a prophetic voice that is counterculture um, and that genuinely expresses compassion and hope. Yeah. Is that, that's my feel. I, I, I literally have been saying, God, show me what you're going to do. I mean, we're moving to Boston. I'm like, I want to have some spiritual intel here. Give me something. Yeah. And uh, for some reason, it feels like God is going, I just want you to live like Abraham, go without knowing, live in the place of depending on me um, because I will make you a sign in wonder and I will still redeem this. And that's where we're at as a family. That's where I'm at in terms of my prophetic perspective. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, it was amazing. I I know this for for myself personally. We got a, my wife and I got a basically a word from the Lord, and we and we didn't we didn't really know it was happening, but we got we got a word to get our to get our finances in order two weeks before it hit. And I know this is just speaking to myself, but I see His hand in that, right? I see His. He might not have spoken the whole thing, but He definitely said, "Listen, if you don't do this, you're not going to get through the season well." Um, and so we, like two weeks prior, we spent two weeks just going through all of our finance, cutting, I, I cut an exorbitant amount of money that was just the life that we were living and things that we had forgotten about and, and we cleaned everything up, boom. And then it happened. I, I would not be in the same place if I hadn't done that. So I see his hand, I see his hand in, in that. Um, I, I guess my question is like, Come on, and and I don't, and I'm not saying this as an attack. I'm saying this as a as a spiritual believer that hears his voice, that believes in the apostolic, the prophetic, the pastoral, all of those things. Like I believe in all of it, and I'm definitely zero pointing a finger. Uh, but I, I I'm like, man, if if there if the saints are listening to the Lord, and and this season is coming, yes, there are these glimpses that a lot of prophetic people uh, that I know. They they gave a word, you know, about like, hey, a financial collapse is coming this year. Like I've I've seen that, but that but I'm I'm asking the question like just globally, you know, uh, was there one was there one person that was like, hey, I'm seeing this. Even in the Old Testament, you see you see people prophesying in groups, and like all of them are wrong except for one. You know, I I have a phenomenal friend in England who's an unknown prophet who has prophesied some of the greatest world events 
that have happened, including Princess Diana's death, including the, the Twin Towers, like massive. Mm. And uh, she brought a prophetic word maybe four or five years ago, literally using the phrases of headlines that we're seeing in the paper and wow. describe what is happening right now. So I know of one person who clearly saw it. Um, but here's the deal. The packaging and her style would make it hard for most people to even listen. Yeah. Um, and although we saw, I mean, I've had chats with her. I, I connect with a number of uh, prophets in the UK and they're like, yeah, we can see this is God. Um, I think there is a dynamic that the church has become so accustomed to prosperity meaning prophetic words that we've not been able to hear the warning words. I'm not one of those judgment prophets. I don't believe that we need to declare judgment, but God certainly will warn us. Um, and I've had some warnings of floods and things that have happened before they've happened. But I just wonder if there is a little bit of, and I'm, I'm in this right, yeah, I'm waving a flag for those in terms of, I wonder if we become a little bit dull in our hearing uh, because we're looking for something that tickles our ears rather than the clarity. And, and that, is, that is an indictment against me. So I, I, I'm living with this tension. And it is the lament that I feel in the season. God, why didn't you tell me? I'm supposed to have a prophetic ministry that spans different nations, yet I could not see this thing coming yeah. other than a few glimpses. Um, yeah. And, and, so, and yeah. Julian, I'd be saying the same thing yeah. if somebody said, well, Will, why – you know, why wasn't this person healed or why aren't people getting healed of this COVID-19 thing? You move in healing, like, come on. And so I, I'm not, I, I, I enjoy the conversation. That's all I'm saying. And I'm willing yeah. to yeah, yeah. approach those things myself. Um, yeah, you, you said something that I thought was really beautiful. Um, I had a conversation with another friend recently and, it, and we were, we just got into theology, our eschatology, our you know, like, hey, this is how this is our view on the prophetic. So, I've created this 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 bubble, in one sense of like, okay, this is our eschatology, this is my theology, and this is the way that I that I hear the voice of the Lord and prophesy out of that. And and I love what you just said. It's like maybe we've gotten a little. Uh, what was the word you used? Um, Got a little dull. Yeah, and yeah. and I think in this season, not to change our theology. But to but to realize, hey, maybe I've been so, you know, I've been so focused on this one thing, uh, but I need to expand. I've I've I, I've, yeah, I've I've uh, become maybe a little inbred. That maybe that's yeah. not the right word, but yeah, I've just I've just become so accustomed to what I like. And I, there's a great scripture, and and I know that the scripture applies to obedience to the Lord, but Jesus Jesus tells his uh, disciples as they're fishing throw the net on the other side of the boat. And that actually wasn't like a great distance. He was looking for obedience. But but what I love is he's like, it's actually just right here. Like you're standing, you're in it, but you're looking at yeah. this side. What I need you to do is shift and like look at the other side. And and it's not far and it's something that's in your wheelhouse, but it, there's more. There's more to what we've set up. There's more to what Sorry. the way we like to fish in our side of the boat. And, uh, and my, my prayer is that we all get to expand myself included you know i one of the things that i've been wrestling with julian is like how how do we how do we harvest right now how do we take this glorious gospel right now do i still carry the same zeal when i'm locked in my house and i i think god is really speaking to the church 
and this isn't a prophetic thing. This is just how could he not be right? He's speaking to the church to yeah. what do you actually believe, and yeah, and yeah. and are you willing to do something with what you believe? But listen, I know we've taken a a, sl- a chunk of time. I I want to make sure that I get to ask one one other quick question of you. And uh, let me just just take one l- little quick thing here. Oh yeah, we're doing good on time. I thought I was looking at good, the wrong yeah. clock. Um, so just the second thing that I mentioned was there's a lot of voices and they're all saying a lot of different things. Is there a place as, as, as you move as a prophet where you go, I, I know what I'm hearing and that's the word. And then another prophet that you know, love and respect is like, I know what I'm hearing and that's the word. And another prophet that you know, love and respect. I know what I'm hearing. And that's the word. And, but they don't align. How do you, how do you like, just as a prophetic voice, how do you manage that? How do you navigate that, that tension? You know, I, I think for me, I think the role of prophets in the Old Testament and in the New are to be puzzle pieces that make up a whole picture. Um, I think it's Brian Simmons, um translation, the Passion Translation of Hebrews chapter 1, where he talks about, you know, in, in the days of old, he spoke to us through the prophets, and little footnote is like a little puzzle piece here, a little puzzle piece there, and you get the picture, who is Christ, and, and he's the full representation of it all. And so I think I've got to recognize, A, that God speaks to people through the filter of their theology, but that doesn't mean they are mishearing him. It's just how they filtering what they're hearing. And so I want to be looking for the, the, the clarity and the, um, the unifying resonating dynamics in the words that they're bringing. I found, if I may be personally, um, so forthright as to say, like when I hear words like it's a new season, I'm like, oh, well, it's a new season every day. Or right. can you <laughs> very often I disregard the charismatic lingo prophetic that I so often see on my Facebook and Instagram feed. Um, I'm looking for some weighty clarity, like measurables, because if the Bible calls me to weigh the prophetic, I've got to have measurables. And it cannot be a stringing together of uh, charismatic phraseology and call that a prophecy. Um, and so I, I will A, look for the track record of the prophet, B, look for um, the, the weight in the word, like w- what are the measurables. Yeah. I will filter that through the generally, um, the general expressed dynamic of the scripture and what God's overarching promises and purposes are in the earth what does it look like how does this fit into that narrative um and and i think i'm looking in those moments for the gems i'm looking in those moments for the the um the scarlet thread if if i could use that phrase that join together and and i found that if i can get that i get a greater clarity of the mind of christ um and it's interesting in that verse in one Corinthians chapter two the last verse it actually says but we have the mind of Christ. He didn't say, I have the mind of Christ. And I think many charismatics take that as an individual. I've got direct relationship with God, so I have the mind of Christ. But actually, Paul's right into a community. And in that context, I think it's Gordon Fee, he talks about um, that that discipleship kingdom life lives in the context of community. Yeah, uh, That's how Paul expected the outworking of the Spirit. And so when he says, we have the mind of Christ, I need to be listening to all of these voices and discern through some of those measures the mind of Christ. And then 
if I discern that it is the mind of Christ, I need to lean into it. Mm. I need to pragmatically make decisions that follow after that because that's how weighing prophetic works. So I know that's a long answer, but that would be how I would see it because I think irrespective of whether you believe Jesus is coming back in 10 years or 50 years or whatever the case might be, whether you believe pre-post, whatever, if you yearn from God, there are going to be some threads that I can pull. And I want to honor that and lean into that together with how I see God work it out in the earth. Come on, man. Well, listen, what what uh, what do you feel like the, the Lord is speaking to you in the season? I know you've probably been getting on a lot of Zoom calls and doing all the things and... But what do you? What's the overarching thing as you've processed, maybe with your friends and your community, and also individually with the Lord speaking with you? What's your sense of the overall? You know, throwing out some of the some of the crazy stuff. I got I got a great email that was like the Lord tells you to listen to the Metallica album, uh, and there's his his secret prophetic word is in that album, and I was like, okay, maybe. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, actually, a true story. But like, so weeding out all the chaos and the Metallica prophecies. What what do you as you sit with your friends? What do you what do you feel is the overarching word that the Lord is sharing with you in this season? I think for me personally, God has been speaking to me about moving from a place of significance to legacy. Um, and significance is a momentary place of influence that you get. Legacy is a generational place of influence. And I feel like what God is doing in this season, particularly in terms of the collective consciousness of a generation with millennials and Gen Zers, is getting them ready for a whole new landscape that literally is new. The problem for us is whenever we talk about a move of God, essentially a new move of God, we measure it by past manifestations or past moves of God. And if it joins, we go, oh, that's a new move of God. The thing about new is that it's new. Mm. Um, and I think that what God is doing with millennials and Gen Zers in this season is he is wiping the slate completely clean for them to reimagine what it would look like. And the connection point has to be that for someone like me, and I'm not that old, but um, someone like me, I need to figure out how do I father in such a way in the season prophetically so that I build into what God is doing on the earth through millennials and Gen Zers, hmm. through online platforms in a healthy way, how I model these things for the sake of the next move of God. Yeah. Um, and so I, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm in between a move of God and I can't quite put my finger on it. And I feel like I felt before pre pre Toronto, like I knew something was coming, but I couldn't define it because it was going to be so off a reference point that I don't even have. Yeah. And I feel like that's where we're at. And I feel like the challenge, particularly for the prophetic in the season, is do I go for significance now? build a great ministry base, or do I go, I need to invest um, my thinking, I need to invest my kingdom world, I need to invest my money, I need to invest everything in such a way as to equip what God's about to do. And then second, in terms of what I think God is doing globally, is I think God is getting the attention of the church again. Like, I feel like we have produced such amazing um production-emphasized church meetings that serve people in the worst and best ways possible. Mm. And I feel like God is going, 
I've had enough. I want my church back. I want, I want my son to be the focus. I want him to be, I want our gatherings to be so focused on him. I, I think about even in terms of the general, um, theology that's coming out of our worship songs. It has lost the centrality of focusing <laughs> on him. And it's been so driven by my story, my encounter, my pop culture, pop psychology drive. Sorry. You got I me. love it. I, I love it. I one cup of coffee this morning. Dude, um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm off like, screen. Here we go. <laughs> it's got to shift. It's got to shift because he is the desire of nation. Yeah. And if we don't refocus our communities around that, we will not reach the nations. Come on. Um, and I feel like that's the emphasis. And so we've got all online. You know, like there's no comfort anymore. And, and the kind of self-help five steps to overcoming your obstacles are not, it's not going to be there anymore. We're going to have to hold the tension of knowing not yet. And we're going to have to produce disciples who can hold that well and still say God's good. Yeah. Julian, I, I love that, man. I, uh, you're saying things that I say uh, to my friends and something that I think, and I love it. He is the focus, not our strategies yeah. or our callings or our ministries. Uh, he, is, he is the pearl of great price, and I love that. I, I've, I've enjoyed in some of the earlier stuff that I did, right when it was hit and everything was chaos, and I know as you're watching this, you always individualize your situation. I'm, I'm trying my best to speak globally and not to your specific things. So if you're in a worse place than maybe where, where we are at currently today, um, our heart cries out for you. Uh, and we're not, I'm not trying to minimize that, but I, I saw when things really hit hard, um, the shaking of believers of like, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't, I don't know what I believe. Not, and, and it was real. And it's not that they were losing faith, but but their faith was being shaken. And I love that. I think that that's actually really important. I think our faith needs to be shaken. Our faith needs to be challenged. Jesus shook his disciples. He challenged them. He, 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 he called them deeper, and he put them in places of danger. He did. Like, Jesus would put his disciples in dangerous situations. He would put them in situations that were at risk of their life. He would put them in situations where they were surrounded by the sick, surrounded by disease. Yeah. He actually did that um, because they they got to see his word fall, be followed through. And and in that, fell in love with Jesus and spread the gospel around the globe. Uh, we've been looking f- for a long time at, at, at leaders to be that, that point. But, but when you're alone in your house, right... That relationship has to become real, and you can live your life vicariously through this podcast or whatever meeting is. But at the end of the day, it's you and him, and I think it's really emphasized that we've known that, but we can hide in a group setting. But if it's you alone, you and your family, it might take a week or two, but you're going to be like, okay, what do I believe? You're going to start listening to that internal dialogue that sometimes gets gets lost in the fray. But I'm going to tell you, man, I miss I miss being around people. I miss laying hands yes. on people. Jesus. You know, I miss it. I do miss it, Julian. I miss the presence of God just filling a, a, a large gathering. I've had so many moments of his presence coming in my, in my house or, or with my family, but man, I, I do miss it. And I, and, I, and I don't want that to disappear. Yeah, I, totally. I think it's going to be a both. You know, I, 
I heard someone say the other day that the next great revival is going to happen in the homes of people. And I'm like, yeah, I agree. But it's going to happen <laughs> in stadiums. God hasn't yeah. changed his mind. It's going to happen yeah. in mass salvations. Yeah. God hasn't changed his mind. Yeah. I, I feel like God is going to give us, I genuinely believe God can give us authority over the whole COVID dynamic. Um, but I think God's allowing the tension. He, he, I certainly don't think he is orchestrated it, but I sure do think he's allowing it. And, you know, there's that moment where the disciples are in the boat and there's this massive storm, Jesus is sleeping. And uh, they say, Master, do you not care that we might drown? He gets up. His response to the storm is to still it. That is always God's response. That's always Jesus' response. And then he says, in response to the questions that the disciples ask, do you not care? He says to them, um, do you still not have faith? Um, and the, the question isn't about their belief. The question is about are they still not convinced that he cares? Mm-hmm. And I think in this season, we're in a place where God is helping readjust that actually I care deeply. It's not just a do I have all the tenets of faith sorted out? Do I know that Jesus is Lord? But actually that I'm getting into humanity to care for the very most vulnerable, the broken, the hurting. As much as I'm caring for the up and outs, I'm caring for the down and outs. Cool. And I think that dynamic of producing faith that is connected to his heart is what God's doing in the body of Christ right now. Uh, Julian, do you know, you mentioned something before. I, lo- I love what you're saying, man. I, you mentioned something before about younger generation, Gen X, Gen, Gen Z, or I, I forget what it was, Gen- the younger generation, generation Z, yeah. and investing in them. <laughs> as you were saying that, um, one of my good friends came to mind, and I'm sh- and I'm sorry I haven't made this introduction, and I, and I will I'll give you his contact information. But do you know Stephen Robertson? I don't. Okay, no, I don't. South African man uh, living in in and outside of Philly. Uh, he he's the CEO of one of the largest um, best summer schools in the world. I forget the name, something. Krinsky Academy or something like that. Spirit-filled, loves the Lord. He, um, he's become a great friend. Uh, like I said, South African, uh, has a cry for the generation. You have to connect with him. Um, he's saying the yeah, exact same thing. And I'm, I'm very interested. Like My kids just showed up uh, outside of the studio. I don't know if you could hear, hear my dog bark. But I, I'm really interested to see... You know, the older generation is kind of like, okay, this is going to pass when it's going to pass so I can get on with my life. And and then there's the there's a little bit younger going like, uh, how, am I going to survive this financially? There's the younger ones from than that that are like, you, they're, they're navigating their life in the middle of this, you know, um, how am I going to survive this, you know, and, and what am I going to do for the next 30 years to see if I can, you know keep this from happening again. And then, you know, our, our, yeah. our youngest ones, they're actually going to be marked by this, you know, like nine 11. I know the day I know the time I know I can replay that entire day. It marked me. It marked the world, yeah. it, it, but it definitely marked the United States. I'm, t- I'm interested to see that younger generation that, that is being shaped and formed right now. Um, how, what their, what their life what their view is going to be coming out of this in 10, 15 years, uh, because it, it's going to be, they're going to look at the world in a completely different way. And I'm, and I'm interested to Cody, see 
the beauty that comes out of that and also the struggle that comes out of that. Yeah. So I love what you're saying we, we, about focusing on a younger think, generation. Yeah. I think we've got to give our generation a hopeful expectation. Lament without hope is just dreary and unbiblical. We need to help them come out of this season with a full expectation that God's original intent is still his intent, and that's to see the earth covered with his glory. Come on. Um, and I think that if stories of revival, simply for me growing up in the Christian home, without seeing it, produced a holy frustration in me. And I'm praying that there's a holy frustration and a holy hunger that comes out of this for that generation. Come on. Um, so, yeah. I love it, man. Listen, I love exciting. it. I think it's a good, good season. Um, there's a podcast uh, on this channel. Uh, gosh, it's from maybe two years ago of myself and Steven Robertson having a conversation about this. You should check it out, Julian. And anybody that, that, um, that's watching this, go and check that out. One of the most amazing men. And, uh, and I, I, I will definitely connect you, uh, af after this, after this podcast, Julian, awesome. um, dude, it's been amazing. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your life. Please give your wife a squeeze from me. Um, she's amazing. We I'm so excited. You guys are moving to Boston uh, real quick, if people want to connect with you, uh, how do they do that? Where do they go? All those things. So the best thing is to connect us via Instagram. Uh, you can just Google us, Julian and Katya Adams frequency. You'll be able to get that in terms of our Instagram, as well as online frequency spelled uh, frequent and then S-E-E.org. -E um, and everything regarding the table busting, all of our resources, everything that's there um, is available. I want to if I can give a shout out for myself, punch myself. I've just written a new book called Terra Nova, which um, means new earth. And it's all about the sense of God using us to redeem the earth. Um, but all of that stuff there. Julian, so. I feel so, I feel so bad. I woke up, I, I woke up at like five and I stood in front of my bookshelf in like the dark while my wife was sleeping and I was trying to find it so I could bring it to this meeting. <laughs> you sent me a copy of it. Your wife also has an amazing book as well. Yeah. Um, which I think is great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, challenged me. Uh, I haven't finished it. I'll be super honest, but definitely challenged me. Um, and I'm really, really grateful for it, but a beautiful view on on women in leadership in the church and if yeah i i'm i'm so grateful for it i i still need to get to get through it uh but when i do uh i'm gonna have your wife on i've actually had my intern who's doing his uh, master's uh, theses on women in ministry and he's he's going through it right now and he's taking all the notes wow. and giving me like so uh, as soon as we're done, I, I'm going to get his opinion, and I want to sit down and have a conversation that I am. I need to prepare for before I get in because I oh, know Lord. I'm going to say things, and your wife is just going to be like, "Thunk, thunk!" Like, and she I can't wait for it. Way too clever for me. Yeah, that's the reality. <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. Well, I married an insanely powerfully strong woman, uh, my Latina. I I work. Of course, uh, with one of the greatest leaders, you know, yeah. female leaders in the body of Christ. And I, I love it. I absolutely love it. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful for, for those who are kind of cheering 
cheering on the cause, man, and, and calling people to, to go further than maybe where they've settled. So listen, go to the website, Instagram, all the things. Julian, yeah. you gorgeous South African man. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Will. Gosh, been so cool. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. And I, I, I can't wait until we get to do this again, man. Um, bless you as you move to Boston. Listen, uh, keep a knife on you at all times you, to fend off the <laughs> knifers. And uh, I, can't, I grew up in South Africa, too. I can handle it. No, it it's me. great, man. And listen, <laughs> if you run in any trouble, I know a few cops. I know a few guys that know how to take care of business. Uh, second thing, <laughs> second thing is uh, eat, some, eat some lobster for me and uh, drive up to Gloucester. Oh. And I will hook you up with the best lobster meal of your life. I'm hearing your East Coast accent come out there. I love it. <laughs> uh, ooh, one more shout out. There's a beautiful restaurant, because I know you're a foodie like me, uh, called, oh gosh, what is it called? Uh, my brain is freezing right now. And oh, I'm going to get in so much trouble. Spirit filled amazing place oh man woodman's woodman's uh in essex massachusetts go check that out know the owners really well and they'll say i'll give you a heads up and they'll take good 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 care of you very famous place to get seafood oh so can't wait to go love you bud you're amazing love you too buddy we'll we'll talk later